Hello everyone and welcome to the Prayer in the Making Lent Book Club episode 22. Uh, we're in chapter 10, Scripture and part 2, Justice and Kingdom. And um, uh, I wrote this chunk of the book because I've, I guess because I'm quite passionate about us learning how to pray the Bible, not just for ourselves, not just for the situations we face in our own lives, but also for the communities that we live in. And, uh, you know, I've seen that done in so many different ways over the years been involved in prayer for a long time so you spend a lot of time in context where people are interpreting the bible and praying uh what it says uh into their own communities and uh, i've got a few thoughts on that it'll not surprise you to know uh anyway um this chunk of the book is about josiah and josiah was one of the inverted commas good kings who uh managed to turn a fairly kind of godless and wayward uh, people back to God. And yeah, it's quite an amazing story, really. But I, I guess what I am aware of, there's, there's plenty in the book that you can read on that, but what I am aware of about it is it's so, isn't it so many million miles away from what we live now? You know, um, the culture, the time, the place, the environment, the geography for most of us. The, you know, this is so far from what we live. And we're basically taking a series of writings which are the newest of which are, you know, centuries and centuries old. And we're trying to say, what does this mean? Uh, and, and what does it mean for the city where I live, the 21st century urban environment I find myself in. And that, that's not an easy thing to do. So if you ever find it difficult to pray the Bible into your local community, as it were, that's not surprising, actually. It's it's not easy. And I, there are a few tips that are helpful for me. Um, I, I tend to, I think you can pray any part of the Bible, but I tend to start with Jesus. I tend to start with what did life look like where Jesus was? You know, he was, is the perfect, the image, the reflection of God. And he is um, the most visible, the most tangible, the most comprehensible example of life, the way God always and ever meant and means it to be. And you look at Jesus, what happened where he went, what happened to the people he was with, what happened in the situations he found himself in. You start to get, I think, a sense of what are we meant to be praying. Um, let me give you three examples because it's probably better explained than uh, than waffled about. <laughs> First up for me is Jesus was always about the happy ending. So I always try to look for what what would the happy ending look like in this place? Um when John's disciples uh, were sent to Jesus, John sent his disciples to Jesus. And, you know, are you Jesus? Are you the one we're waiting for? And uh, Jesus sent back, you know, not, uh, well, here's a bunch of ancient scripture that tells you that I am who I say I am. He's, he just said, tell John, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. You know, people are, people's lives are being transformed. People are getting happy endings to their difficult sad and painful stories and and that was enough that was what John needed that's how he knew it was the Messiah and you know what is your happy ending that you dream of for the place where you live what would it look like what would it look like if it could be the place that you long for it to be you know 
I think one of the things we tend to do is we tend to use as we read the Bible and we pray the Bible, we go for a slightly sort of problem solving mentality. So we think, well, I've got a problem with homelessness in my community. So I'll look for a Bible verse that says something about homelessness or, oh, I tell you what, people are addicted to all sorts of stuff in in our community. So I'm going to look for a couple of Bible verses on addiction or enslavement and I'm going to pray those. There's There's nothing wrong with that, but it's a it's only halfway to where you're meant to get, I think. (laughs) Actually, do you have a dream for the place where you are? remember going to a place once, this is a story I tell quite often, I remember going to a place once and we were having a conversation about how they wanted to see their community change. And I do remember this one group having talked for about 15 minutes, kind of came back to the the rest of the room, as it were, and, and said, you know, the thing we really feel that, you know, we want to see change is the amount of junk mail that gets delivered to our homes. And I've, I do confess, I struggled a little bit to kind of, um, uh, to to approach that with the, there's never a bad idea in brainstorming type thing, because I felt like actually I don't, I, I gosh, I'm not really sure that if that's your highest dream for the place you live, then that seems a shame to me. And I, I duly encouraged everybody and said, you know, look, guys, we can, we have the right and the privilege to imagine the places where we live as though they had been transformed by the very presence of Jesus Christ and then to pray that in. So I always look at the stories of Jesus and I say, what is the happy ending that Jesus brought in this story? And what might that happy ending look like if it were lived out in my community? What would, I, what would it look like? if all the blindness was healed? What would it look like if those who were considered leprous and outcast were welcomed? What would that be like? And that's what I pray. Uh, The second thing is um, Jesus was not simplistic. This this is a difficult one to explain. Also difficult to explain at 3.30 in the morning, which is when I'm recording this because I've just got home from street pastor's prayer. So I've been doing a lot of praying for my community and I thought, you know, I'll do it while my mind is fresh. So forgive me if my mind is not as fresh as it might otherwise be. Um, Where was I? Not being simplistic. OK, so um, uh, the only there's only one time in my life that I've ever walked out of a prayer meeting uh, and it was. A meeting where we were talking about praying for our nation and uh, one of the things that was being shared was just this sense that um, things went wrong in our nation a, a, a few decades ago because we passed a bunch of laws that were counter to God's word. And uh, I remember thinking, oh, that's an interesting idea. I'd never heard that before. It was probably about... Oh, it was a long time ago and uh, I'd never really got into this stuff at that stage. You know, that's a very interesting idea. And one of the laws that was drawn out as an example was the law which, uh, or the, rather the reversal of the law which declared that witchcraft was a criminal act, was a crime. So witchcraft was effectively decriminalised. And I remember being horrified, actually, <laughs> being horrified because... It's not that I think witchcraft is a great idea, but I do happen to believe that that law, which was in existence for centuries and which made it, uh, has made it at certain times in our history acceptable to torture and kill people 
because they might be practitioners of witchcraft. That law was for me a very great evil. Uh, to, to say that witchcraft isn't a good idea, I'm completely up with, but to criminalise it and then promptly to punish, torture and kill people for it, not a good idea. So repealing that law, uh, which is what happened, I think, around the 1960s, is, was a really good thing for me. I felt like that's exactly what we should have done as a nation. It doesn't mean I think witchcraft is a good thing, she says, for the third time. <laughs> it's just that I don't think it's OK to punish people for it. Uh, and so what had happened in this is that a verse had been found in Deuteronomy which says that the Lord hates witchcraft. Now, I don't dispute that at all, but it had been used to pray a very simplistic prayer, which was, Lord, forgive us for repealing this law and might we be a nation where uh, our laws reflect your hatred of witchcraft. And that's the point at which I left the prayer meeting. I felt like actually that's a misapplication of the word of God. Now, Jesus is a challenging one here because uh, think about Mary Magdalene, uh, just sorry, skipping stories big time here. <laughs> Mary Magdalene, who anointed Jesus' feet uh, and with perfume, very, very likely that Mary Magdalene was some kind of shamanic practitioner or practitioner of witchcraft before she met Jesus. Very, very likely indeed that the practice that she was undertaking when she anointed him was actually a it was a it was a a pagan practice it was a it was a particular kind of ritual which she was offering to him which wasn't part of the jewish tradition necessarily there there might have been echoes of it but it's very likely that she was a if you like a uh, uh, she was practicing some other stuff that might not have been completely in line with what he would have believed in did Jesus say, I criminalise you and send you packing? No, he <laughs> welcomed her and he received what she brought and he forgave her. And it says, you know, well, some accounts say seven demons were driven out of her. So we know there was something quite occult or something quite dark about Mary, but Jesus didn't uh, ostracise her. He didn't push her away and say, you're bad news and I need to stay away from you as much as possible. So do you see what I mean? It's a it's a long way round of saying that as we read the Bible, we need to be reading the whole story, not just taking verses and applying them in a way that best suits the worldview that we want to have. So I'm always challenged if I'm going to pray about a particular issue. I don't just take what one verse says. I try to reflect on what does the whole word of God say about this particular, what does the whole word of God say about witchcraft? Yes, it says God hates witchcraft, but Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus, one of his closest followers was someone who'd been involved in that and, and he didn't send her packing in that uh, simplistic way. So you get the gist of what I'm saying. There's a whole sense of wanting to uh, reflect on the complexities of things rather than just picking a verse and then praying it, stomping around your community and praying it, as it were. The third one uh, for me is about being, uh, I think, being open to new things. I think that's what I would say. So um, sometimes when we reflect on our community, we think, oh, you know, what would the happy ending look like? What would my community look like if it were a kingdom place? One of the things people say is, oh, well, it, obviously it would look like lots of people going to church. It would look like lots of people doing what we Christians do now. And I want to um, challenge you on that because actually when Jesus uh, 
brought people to himself, as it were, through through a miracle, through teaching, whatever. He didn't say all head off straight head off to the synagogue spend a lot of time at the synagogue he didn't even actually say come and hang out with me because i'm starting this new thing called church he sent them back to where they came from and that is fascinating to me i think this would not if i were i jesus i would not have been sending people back i would be like well now they look show an interest i need to keep them on board i need to make sure they're learning the right stuff i need to make sure they're carrying the right message i need to make sure that jesus jesus let people go to the places they were going and he just seemed to trust that uh that the stuff he was teaching and the 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 things that he valued would eventually sow their way into society and i'm challenged by that because it's easy for me to when i pray for my local community to want to pray that it would look like i want it to look rather than trusting that god might well be doing a very new thing and uh, maybe there won't be cues coming out of the church doors anytime soon, but it doesn't mean that God's not at work. So my final challenge to you as you think about your community is you've thought about the happy ending and you have stepped back from being too simplistic in applying the scriptures. But what new are you open to God doing a new and a different thing? Are you open to the new wineskins that Jesus talks about? Are you open to uh God transforming your communities, your community, but not necessarily in exactly the way you would like. And I find when I pray that prayer, Lord, open me, open me up to to expect things. I then read the Bible and I find I'm praying thoroughly unexpected things for my community. I suddenly find new things in there that I've not seen before and things that apply to my community in ways I've never imagined. And you'll probably get the gist that I think I'm looking for us to be open for the spirit to speak to us through the word uh, far more deeply and radically than just going to our familiar places and praying the things we've already prayed. I'm going to leave it there because it's high time I went to bed but I hope you find this helpful and uh, I hope that it leads for you to some uh, to some new and fresh praying for your local community.